Welcome to The Future Built Smarter, a podcast in which IMEG engineers discuss innovative and trend-setting building and infrastructure design with architects, owners, and others in the AEC industry. I'm your host, Joe Payne, and with me again today is my co-host, Mike Lawless, IMEG's Director of Innovation. And today, as part of our ongoing series on sustainability strategies of the future, we're going to talk about cold climate electrification. And to help us do that, we have with us again today, Adam McMillan, IMEG's Director of Sustainability. Adam, to get us started, could you please just explain what cold climate electrification is? Yeah, I actually gave a presentation with ACEEE on this topic. It was perfectly clear to me, and I think it was my kids or my wife or someone was like, oh, what are you, you, know, what are you presenting on? And I showed the title. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So if we're going to get owners and, and the world to act on this, I think we're going to have to come up with a new name. But what it kind of means, so there, there's two things to unpack. So first, electrification, what does that mean? So right now, now we're all Midwest people um, here, and, you know, we get cold winters. So, you know, you got, you used to have coal-fired furnaces. Now we have natural gas furnaces, right? And and that's what heats up our um, our homes and our businesses. And then electricity is kind of used to cool, right? So we think about heating and cooling and electricity does most of everything else we have out there. Right now, electricity comes from a grid that uses coal um, and uses natural gas, but also uses a lot of renewables. So electricity has some renewables in it today. Uh, Fossil fuel gas furnaces or boilers have zero, right? It's using fossil fuel. So there's this industry movement. We see our grid getting cleaner every year over year. And there's really good data out there. Cambium is a tool by NREL that kind of forecasts how clean the grid's going to get in each state in the future. And on that, we, if you look at that, it'll actually show you that over time, that grid's going to get cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. So if you imagine a future where our grid is fully clean, and now instead of using fossil fuel boilers, we're using some sort of electrical-based heating equipment, essentially we have a path to perfectly clean heating and cooling for our homes and our businesses. Every boiler we put out there is going to sit in that building for 30 years, or if you listen to our last episode, maybe only 15 years on our current trend. But the idea is that you've got this piece of equipment that you're not going to replace it for 30 years. So now you have a perfectly clean grid that could give you perfectly clean heating, but instead you're using this fossil fuel boiler that you put in, you know, 20 years ago. Mike, what are your thoughts on all this? So I think what you're saying here is, if we if we're able to have a building that's all electric there's a path to that building having zero emissions even if it's tied into the grid because eventually the grid's going to have enough renewables on it or more renewables on it or 100 percent renewables where it doesn't have create any emissions at that point but any boiler we put in it's going to put out you know it's going to put out carbon for the, however long it, it exists so the the challenge here is and i think the question that they can come up as so you're saying we use electric resistive heat and that and that's better because as engineers for a long time we've said yeah we don't really want to do that yeah the electrification is is that and here in the midwest our grid on a carbon basis is dirtier than um natural gas heating but west coast upper east coast it's flipped uh the grid is is currently cleaner than a boiler so it's it's a net positive so and that is changing. So yeah, that's the that's the concept. Let's find an electric-based source. Now, 
electric resistance heating, no, please don't. Let's stick with natural gas. So the issue here there is the efficiency of, of the elect, electric resistive heating is one to one. Um, the cost of electricity compared to gas is about three to one. So the right solution you need to find is that you can heat with something that has a coefficient of performance of three, which basically says it's 300% efficient, which a lot of compressor-based heating solutions are. So there is a path to make the cost neutral while setting it up for a much better path on carbon. So when you can find that sweet spot there, it makes sense to do it today. So you're talking about heat pumps, correct? That's that's transferring of heat from you know the exterior into the building to, to heat the building, or from a the ground into you know into the building to heat the building. Is that the path? Yeah, there, there's a ton of variations of heat pumps, but yep, that's the idea. Um, same way that at your house, your air conditioner is taking heat out of your house and throwing it outside through that unit you see out there. Um, heat pump can do the reverse, where it takes the heat from the outside, throws it inside. Or you think about your refrigerator. If you feel underneath your refrigerator, you feel hot air coming out and it's cold inside the refrigerator, it's actually heating your house. So that's, that's, that's the most common way. And then there are you know, 10, 15, 100 different variations of that, but that's the basic idea. Yeah. And I think the the twist of this is cold climates. When it's when it's cold outside, you know, how do you get enough heat from the exterior to, to heat the interior of your building? That's in, in warmer climates, it's a it's a much easier task because you've got a better heat source outside most of the year. Cold climates during the winters here in the Midwest, upper Midwest, that can be become pretty difficult. How does that, what are the, some of the solutions to that, that challenge? Yeah. So we've designed some, um, fully electric, um, buildings like in, in Southern California and it's no problem, right? It is only, it only gets down to 30 or 40 degrees at the worst case that equipment can easily and efficiently do that. Um, where most of the technology is and what's nice is as technology advances, they keep pushing this temperature down, but, um, for a lot of solutions, um, that, once you get around 10 to 15 degrees outside, it's just, they can't really um, extract heat efficiently and you basically go to electric resistance. So it's not very good. I mean, it's totally possible. Your freezer at home finds heat somewhere in that zero degree deep freeze and throws it into your room, right? So it's technically possible, but the efficiency lags. Um, so when we talk about cold climate, um, we get a scenario where three quarters of the year, everything we talked about before about being more efficient, 300% efficiency, whatever applies. But for those 200 or 400 hours of the year where we're below 10 degrees, um, we're not in a good spot from a cost uh, cost perspective um, with that electric backup. Some things that have happened, like VRF is a, is a special type of heat pump that's used, um, that used to be the case for VRF, but now those can operate all the way down to minus 20. In fact, I got one sitting right next to me here in my house that I've I've watched efficiently when it's been minus 15. So um, the central plant equipment that can make hot water in an electrified way, that will get there. Um, but currently it's just kind of sitting around 10 to 15. So we have to think about either backup gas boilers that we can switch to or thermal storage tanks. So we can make a bunch of hot water when it's warm enough outside and store it. And then whenever it gets too cold, use that instead and turn the piece of equipment off. So there, there are variations in what we can do, but cold climates definitely have a challenge uh, compared to the warm, warm climates. 
when you think about electrical load and electrical grids and availability of power on the grid, if you think about electric resistive heating, you know, in an office building for the number of hours where it's colder than, than your heat pump can provide heat, you know, how, how does that analysis look and how, how, how much of a negative is electric, electric resistive heat for that, that purpose? You mean to use electric resistive heat instead of gas? Well, it, when it's, yeah, basically if you've got really low temperatures, instead of having a gas boiler or energy storage, you know, in some cases, the simplest solution could be electric resistive heat in, in the coldest parts of the winter. Yeah. So, I mean, I think to just say, all right, anytime it's below a certain temperature, just flip this thing over to electric, um, it's going to be cost cost prohibitive just as a simple flight solution. So to be a little more nuanced about it um, and controlling, just to say, if you did that, say there was 500 hours of the year, you have to flip to that. That's very expensive. But with a little bit of thought in the design and maybe even thermal mass or control sequences or other things you can do with your mechanical systems, maybe instead of this 500 hour hit, you can get that down to maybe 200 hours. And then, and I would take that. I mean, I would pay a little bit more a few months to get all the benefits the rest of the year. Um, and especially now that electric load is low from the grid's perspective in the winter time too, so that the cost could be lower. So in the short term, it's going to help utilities. So it'd probably be fine. I think what we'll find is once everyone switches over to that, this grid is now seen a bunch of load it's never seen before. And that that's what the industry is going to have to figure out the way to do that. And, and frankly, a lot of that's probably going to be storage, battery storage, on-site storage, and, and incentives for buildings to reduce their load during peak demands. And, you know, this is getting fairly complex in a lot of different areas, but, um, you know, it's just, it's a new challenge for our industry. And I think a lot of us are really excited to be thinking about it. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity to get, you know, typical buildings to net zero while they're connected to the grid and have an opportunity to have have that happen in the future. Yeah, I don't see any reason every house can't do it today. Um, If we can get all the homes that way, that's a huge win, right? And then now buildings can come and follow suit and some simpler buildings will come first. Um, But, you know, even like healthcare facilities, there's a way we can do that today. Um, And I think we can still bring in the safety and security of backup gas boilers and it'll be a fully functioning system. And and hospitals have backup generators that that could probably help out in some of these scenarios too. So I think, I don't think it's as far off as as we think. And we kind of just take it step by step, building by building. Um, Those solutions are definitely out there. Hey, well, thanks again uh, today, you guys, for another great discussion in this series on sustainability. Our next episode in this series will take a look at energy storage, both thermal and battery, and we encourage listeners to join us for that. In the meantime, iMig thanks you all for tuning in. Take care. <music>